0: going to read, uh, this is from the King James Version here, and some of the wording here may be hard for you to understand, maybe some things that you've read over before as you read your Bible through and never really took time to figure out what it was talking about. Today we're going to look at it, and uh, we're going to talk today about breaking the spirit of mammon. Everybody say mammon. Mammon, breaking the spirit of mammon, and I believe until this is broken in a person's life. They're not going to be able to live the blessed life that God has for them. Verse number nine says, "And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness." So it's saying use this thing called mammon to make friends that, when ye fail or when you die, ye may be re- they, they may receive you into everlasting. Habitation. We're talking about something eternal. Everybody understand we're talking about something eternal here. And then verse 10, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the righteous unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Everybody say true riches. If you haven't been faithful with unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Look at this. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and mammon. Now in the Old Testament, we notice that the children of Israel were told that they could not serve Jehovah and Baal, or that they could not serve both Jehovah and Dagon. They could not serve Jehovah and Ashtaroth, these Old Testament idols. But in the New Testament, Jesus, from his own mouth, declares that the idolatry that the New Testament church has to war against is not necessarily Dagon or Baal or Astaroth, but it is this substitute for God called mammon. And we want to talk about breaking the spirit of mammon. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would anoint our ears to hear the word of the Lord today. I pray, Jesus, that you would give unto The people gathered here today, an appetite for your word, a desire to learn something today, Lord God, that will be applicable to their lives, that will make a difference, Lord Jesus, for their destiny and for their future. I ask in the precious name of the Lord, God, that you would anoint the words that are spoken today, let it expand and open our understanding in the name of Jesus Christ so that we can live victorious, so that we can live the blessed life so that we will not be destroyed for a lack of knowledge. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone said amen. Just lift your hands to Him one more time and thank Him for being so good to you. Anybody say, God, you've been good to me. I want to thank you today. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Lift your voice right now for just a few moments and give thanks to the Lord. Hallelujah. Give Him praise from the fruit of your lips right now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you and you may be seated. Once again, as I will each time during these five weeks, I want to briefly define for you what I mean when I say living the blessed life. The blessed life is not a life of extreme wealth or riches. The blessed life is not a lavish materialistic life. The blessed life is also not a life that is completely free from all pain or any sickness. But when I talk about the blessed life, I'm talking about a life that has God's favor upon it. And the essence of being living a blessed life is that we become a conduit for God's blessings. Notice that remember that when God told Abraham, "I'm going to bless you." He said, "I'm going to bless you and you will be a blessing." So the whole point of a blessed life is not that God blesses me so I can store a bunch of stuff and have a lot of good things. But the idea of a blessed life is God's going to bless you because you're going to allow it to flow through you and bless someone else. Amen. The blessed life is not about receiving God's blessings to hoard or to enjoy. Although we do enjoy God's blessings. But the idea is that we are blessed like Abraham was to be a blessing. So the blessed life is to have supernatural power working for you as opposed to having supernatural or divine power working against you. Everybody got that? When we're talking about the blessed life, you've got God on your side and God in your favor and God working with you. And during this series, as we talk about the blessed life, we do talk a lot about giving. And the reason we talk about giving and we talk about money is that the Bible Speaks more about money than it does about many other things. You remember that I shared with you that the Bible there are more scriptures in the Word of God referring to money, material things, uh, cash than there are about faith, or than there are uh, uh, scriptures about prayer. Not that 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 uh, faith and prayer aren't important, but the Word of God places tremendous importance on how we understand, and how we deal with resources and money. Also, I want to remind you that uh, we taught that giving is enjoying to blessing. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. So there is a blessing that's linked together with giving. And from our last session two weeks ago before Easter, uh, we also, also, let me mention too, that it is a matter of the heart. You can have a selfish heart. You can have a grieving heart. But God wants us to have a generous, grateful heart, and the issue is the issue of the heart. A couple weeks ago we talked about how every time we get a paycheck or every time we receive a blessing, uh, it is a test. And uh, tithing is a test as to whether you believe what you have is yours or whether you believe everything you have is God's. And when you do not give your tithe, you are saying, in essence, I believe that this money is mine. But when you do give your tithe, you are saying, I believe that everything I have belongs to God, and I'm honoring him by giving back the tithe. And another point I want you to remember is that the tithe is the Lord. The Bible says the tithe belongs to the Lord. That's how we rob God, by spending our tithe on other things, because it belongs to the Lord. This is what the Bible says. Amen? Everybody still with me? (laughs) And tithe is a benefit. It says, uh, we we read the scripture where... um, People were bringing in their tithes, and there were heaps and mounds on the floor of uh, the temple or the tabernacle. And so it blesses the kingdom of God. It benefits and moves forward the kingdom of God and takes care of the bride of Christ. But it's also a benefit to the giver as well. And when we give, there's promises that say God's going to bless us, and it's going to come back to us. Everybody remember that? That was real quick, wasn't it? Real quick review. If you didn't get that, if you weren't here I encourage you to get a CD or uh, listen to the sermons online at LifeChurchPasadena.com. You can listen. Both of these are uploaded. But today we're talking about breaking the spirit of mammon. And uh, I want to explain to you what or who this mammon is. When I was in uh, high school and then in college, I studied uh, literature in college as an English major. And uh, one of the stories that we had to sto- study was a story called Paradise Lost, written by John Milton. And in this story, Paradise Lost, it gives a portrait of the place called hell, the place reserved for Satan and his imps. And in John Milton's, Milton's portrayal of hell, Satan was down there conversing with his generals. And the generals, or leaders among Satan's uh, 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 within hell uh, amongst his followers were these Old Testament idols that I mentioned earlier, uh, like Moloch and, uh, and Dagon, Belial, Baal, and so forth. And uh, the, what they represented was the gods of the Old Testament with a little g and uh, the, the culture of worship in that day in the Old Testament. But also in John Milton's Paradise Lost, there is another one, and this other one from the New Testament is called mammon, one of another of Satan's generals, one that uh, is a representation of idol worship in current day. Now this word mammon is mentioned four times in the New Testament. Once in Matthew chapter 6, where it once again says you cannot serve both God and God and Mammon you ever noticed that it never says you can't serve God and Satan it never says uh, uh, any of these other things but it says you can't serve God and Mammon so it's this false idol called Mammon that is in opposition to God in our world today and I'm going to help you hopefully with the help of God to understand what this form of idolatry is today because Jesus said in the passage that we read, that it is possible today to serve mammon instead of serving God. You can serve mammon instead of serving God. But Jesus also said that it's impossible to serve both of them at the same time. Everybody got that? You cannot serve both God and mammon. So as Jesus is teaching here, there is no middle ground. You you will, you will love one and hate the other. You can't do like half and half and say, I want to serve God, but I also want to serve mammon. Jesus made it real clear, you can't serve both. Everybody got that? Are we clear on that? So Jesus was creating a striking contrast between the spirit of God and this spirit of mammon, which is a powerful, idolatrous spirit that's at work in the world today. So let me define for you the word mammon. It's an Aramaic word that simply means, Riches, the world's riches, means confidence in wealth or avarice or desire for more wealth. So Mammon was actually an Assyrian god of riches. That's who it was. Mammon was the Assyrian god of riches. But they got this god from Babylon, and as such, the God-mammon is connected to the Tower of Babel. This is real important. I want you to catch this point here right now so you can understand what idolatry in our world is. Babylon, you remember the Tower of Babel, why they built it? Anybody remember why they built the Tower of Babel? Why was it? Because man recognized that God had the power to judge them, right, with the flood. And so they said, let us build a tower so that if God should try to judge us again with a flood, we can save ourselves. This is the spirit of the Tower of Babel. We're going to replace the need to trust in God or submit to God or obey God using our own ability and our own strength. So Babylon from the Tower of Babel, was founded on a prideful, arrogant spirit that says it doesn't need God. It manifests itself in our world today as humanism. The ability or the idea that I can make it on my own or I can figure it out on my own. This is the spirit of mammon. The spirit of mammon says you don't need God. You can be self-sufficient if you have money. With me, you guys get this point here. The spirit of mammon is you don't need God, you need money. The spirit of God is you don't need money, you need God. Huh. Some trust in chariots, some trust in wealth, but I'll put my trust in the name of the Lord our God. Amen. Right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him. He shall direct thy path. So it's a great divide here between trusting in God and trusting in mammon. And the spirit of mammon is something in this world that says you don't need God. Rather, you can trust in riches. And mammon tries to replace God with things. So if you have some cash with you, I want you to take it out right now. You, anybody got a dollar? Just take it out. $5 bill, 10 20 quarter, a dime, a penny. Anybody have anything? I don't have anything. Take out, your, take out all your money. I don't know if I want to take this out. Now, it seems innocent enough. This is what we use to trade, to purchase. It has purchasing power. But uh, what what I want to help you understand today is that your money has. Thank you, sister. You can let me use yours. Right. So brought out a ten. I might have to keep that one. It'd be worshiping the spirit of mammon, Money has a spirit that rests on it. It has a spirit that is associated with it. And the spirit that rests on money is mammon. Everybody with me? The money itself is not mammon. But the spirit that rests on money is mammon. All money has a spirit attached to it. The spirit that rests on money can either be the spirit of God or the spirit of mammon. Now let me make this real plain to you. Money that has been submitted to God and submitted to His purpose has the Spirit of God on it, Amen. It's like got something different on it. That's why it can multiply. That's why the enemy can't devour it. You know, it says in in uh, Malachi, "I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake." The enemy can't devour it, and it can multiply because it has God's Spirit upon it. But money that is devoted to Him, rather than trying to replace Him, is blessed by God. But money that's not submitted to God has the spirit of mammon on it by default. Money that's not submitted to God, surrendered to God, automatically by default has the spirit of mammon on it. So I don't know whether your money has the spirit of mammon on it, or whether it has the Spirit of God on it, but it will make a difference as to how it conducts itself and how it acts. Amen? So your money needs to be redeemed. Amen? <laughs> Just like when we needed to be born and set free from the enemy, our money money has to be redeemed from the spirit of mammon. And by giving God the first portion, we understand that God blesses the rest of our Money. Amen. When we give it to the Lord, we give the first fruits to the Lord. God blesses it, and you bring your money out from under the spirit of Mammon by redeeming it. So it's blessed money. It's off limits. It can't be touched by the devourer. Hallelujah. Malachi chapter three verse eleven says, "And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes." And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. I will rebuke the devourer. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. So God's favor and God's blessing can be on it. So to further help you understand what mammon is, mammon promises you everything and gives you nothing. Amen? It's called the deceitfulness of riches. Uh-huh. If I get enough, I'll be happy. Anybody ever played that one before? If I just get this, I'll be happy. If I just have enough to have this, I'll be happy. See, that's what mammon promises you happiness through things that you possess. Mammon promises you things that only God can give. Mammon says, if you will serve me, I'll give you this and this and this. If you'll serve me, I'll give you happiness. I'll give you a good family. I'll give you a beautiful home. I'll give you the respect of people. People will see you driving that car and say, wow, check him out. He knows what he's doing. People will see those clothes on you and say, check her out. She is loaded. She must be successful. Mammon is looking for people That will serve him. If you don't uh, believe this, just realize Jesus said you're either going to serve God or mammon. He didn't say you're going to serve Baal or Astaroth or Dagon. You're going to serve God or mammon. And mammon is this spirit of riches that takes the place of God. Mammon literally wants to take the place of God in your life. Here me show you some of the things that mammon will promise you. It promises you security promises you significance. You guys, the spirit of man? It promises you importance. It promises you independence. It promises you freedom. It promises you power. It promises you peace. It promises you love and joy. All of these things that mammon promises you are things that you can only really get from God. You can't get them from riches. It's deceitful. It only can come from God. Mammon will promise that it will insulate you from life's problems and that it is the answer in every situation. Amen? What mammon is is nothing more than the spirit of this fallen world. The spirit of this fallen world that stands in opposition to God and to His ways. Jesus said you're either going to hate one and love the other. You will love one or hate the other. Now how many are like this? Anybody ever done this before? You don't have to admit this, but I think all of us will have to smile when I talk about this. When when our needs don't get met and things don't go the way that mammon promised us, instead of getting mad at mammon, we get mad at God. Isn't that crazy? We're serving mammon. And when it doesn't fulfill, we get mad at God because it doesn't satisfy us. Amen? Anybody with me still? Mammon is really the spirit of Antichrist. In the last days, the Bible says the Antichrist will rule by controlling who can buy and sell. Right? The threat of not being able to buy and sell is how the Antichrist will rule. And this is what I was talking about. Sometimes we experience this. You ever been under pressure? And the thought comes to us? I need one of two things here. I either need God to come through and work a miracle for me, or I need somebody to drop a truckload of money on me, one of the two. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, man, all these problems with the stress, or the pressure I'm under right now. Either God needs to come work it out for me and do a miracle. I need lots of cabbage, a truck full of cabbage. And, and the daydream goes that you accidentally buy a lottery ticket and you accidentally are just, through some supernatural act be the one who happens to win one chance and multiply billions of chances. You're the one who wins the lottery. Or maybe in your little fantasy, it's the sweepstakes because, man, I don't play the lottery, but it's the sweepstakes. Am I the only one that's ever sat and thought, man, what would it be like if I won ten million dollars? Right, right. Anybody ever done that before? Some only one. I feel I feel really ashamed now that I shared that with you. <laughs> and so the daydream or fantasy goes that, or maybe it's a an, an, a relative you didn't even know, some wealthy relative that lives over in the old country in Europe who dies and leaves you a huge sum of money that you didn't expect. And you're like, hallelujah, money was what I needed. See, the problem is we are in essence, as we daydream, mammon is seeking to position itself as a substitute for God. Money or wealth becomes that substitute for God. And we say, I need God to work a miracle or I need more money right now. I need one of those two things. But that's a lie. You need God, period. Some trust in riches. Some trust in God. You either will serve mammon or you will serve God, but you won't serve both of them. Amen. And sometime in your life, you've got to reach the point where you break that curse of mammon in your life, a mentality that says, I need money. Money will take care of my problems. Money will solve my issues. Amen? Jesus never told anyone that the solution to their problem was more money. Amen? But Jesus made it clear that the solution of our problems was to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. Sometimes mammon even will try to play tricks on us. Because when those thoughts come to our mind, it's the spirit of mammon speaking to us. Mammon can be subtle at times. If if I had more money, well, I'd be able to help more more people. Man, if I could just have more money, I'd like to give to the church. One time I had someone come to me and said, can you help me? I need money to pay my rent. I said, you got a job. Why didn't you pay your rent? Said, well, I went to Vegas and I spent a lot there gambling. And I said, And you want me to take money that God's people gave as their tithe to help you pay your rent? Because you spent your money gambling in Vegas. Number one, I gotta I, I gotta admire your honesty, but uh, the problem here is, sir, is I can't do this for you. And he said, but "Wait, pastor, I'm going to keep gambling. One of these times, I'm going to win big. And when I win big, I promise you, I'll remember the church." Oh, come on! Give me a break. So sweet. Mammon is subtle. It, it'll, it'll try to convince you, well, if you have more money, you would be able to help more people. Amen. But you cannot serve both God and mammon. Mammon is a spirit It speaks to us all the time. It tells us, you, if you have the right clothes, if you have the right job, or if you get the right house, or if you drive the right automobile, then people will listen to you. If you have more money, It would take care of your relationship problems. They would go away. Life would be sweeter. Life would be better. Come on, I'm telling you right now the truth. And you've heard this voice before, but you're looking at me with blank stares. Like what planet did Pastor Brown wake up on this morning? But you know what I'm talking about, that voice that speaks to you. If you had more money these problems would be taken care of. If you had more money these issues would be solved. If you had if you just had that's the spirit of mammon speaking to you. If you can trust in riches, if you had more money, if you had more resources, if I had more goods I'm going to tell you that the spirit of mammon will speak to pastors. The spirit of of mammon will whisper to spiritual leaders and try to convince them that if they will trust in riches, that if they could get more of this and that, then they'd be able to do more for God. But the reality is we don't need more money. We don't need more riches. We need to serve God and surrender and submit our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. And He will supply all of our need according to His his riches in glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the spirit mammon is the spirit of this world, the spirit of Antichrist. When you start thinking that most of your problems could be solved if you had more money, it's a clear sign that you're under the influence of the spirit of the mammon. Is that too stout, or is that too like where you're living right now? You're thinking, hey. Most of my problems would be solved if I just had more money. Anybody ever noticed this before? This is real practical right now. And if I could make 200 extra bucks a week, life would be wonderful. think about that right now? Think about your income and think about—wow, life, man! All my problems would be dealt with. Issues. If I could make 200 bucks a week extra, guess what? It wouldn't work. You guys with would- me? you'll keep living the same kind of life that you're living now, because money won't take care of the problems, And that's worship of mammon. Amen. Money won't do it. God and mammon are both speaking to us, sometimes whispering and sometimes shouting. Now I want to say, is money the same as mammon? Is this the same as mammon? Money and mammon are different. Mammon is the spirit that can be on money. Mammon is the spirit that can be on money, but it doesn't have to be. Notice in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, all of you know this scripture is often misquoted. Anybody ever heard before money is the root of all evil? That's not true. The Bible says, for the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So when we are in love with money and trusting in riches, it is the root of all evil. No wonder Jesus said you're either going to serve God or mammon. You're either going to be committed to God or you're going to be committed to finances. And the love of money is the root of all evil because it's idolatry in our world today. In the United States of America, guess what? Here's a newsflash. All of us are rich. All of us are wealthy. All of us have way more than what we need. The majority of the world just barely survives. You guys with me? The majority of the world just barely survives. You know how they can tell that someone's prosperous in most of the world? Because they've got a few extra pounds of flesh on them. The rest of them are just making it from week to week surviving. We are wealthy, wealthy beyond imagination in, Amer- in the United States of America compared to the rest of the world. The problem is we're fighting a battle that's impossible with the flesh. We've got to have the spirit. Jesus said it, 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 it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. That doesn't bode very well for the United States of America because we all rich disciples said well who then can be saved and God said with man it's impossible with God all things are possible but we're not going to get through the eye of the needle if needle if we don't break the spirit of mammon in our life and stop trusting in our wealth in our riches what about the rich young ruler that came to Jesus Jesus said go sell all you have uh uh divided among those that have need come and follow me and be my disciple says he was very sad cuz he had great riches the reality was he was very sad cuz he realized i can't follow jesus and serve mammon at the same time and the root of all evil is the love of money so money in itself is not evil in fact redeem money can do good things redeem money can be profitable for the kingdom of God, God can even use it. So money is neutral. It's neither bad nor good. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. It's the love of or the serving of money or the honoring of money that's the root of all evil. You notice in the Bible it says you guys got a problem when you let people come in your church and they got a fine outfit and you give them the place of honor. Why? Why? Because you're honoring or serving mammoth. Ooh, they got money. Let's give them a seat up front. Let's give them the special treatment. Let's give them a nice hug and a pat on the back. But look at them. They don't have anything to give. They don't have any resources. They have nothing to offer. Let's put them in the back somewhere where we don't have to look at them that's what was happening in the church and and the apostle chastised them because it was coming down to the rudimentary problem or issue is you are honoring or serving or worshipping money you have fallen in love with money instead of Jesus Christ it's the battle it's the great warfare that happens in our spirit and if we want to live the best the blessed life we've got to break the curse of mammon in our lives you guys get Mammon says to take. God says to give. Mammon is selfish. God is generous. Money is a tool, and it can be used for good or for bad, for temporal things or for eternal things. In that passage of Scripture we read, Luke chapter 16, verse 9, in closing I want to talk about that again and answer questions that you may have. Verse 9, it says, And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of or with the mammon of unrighteousness that when you fail or when you die you may rec- uh, they who's that they, they are the friends that you make with the mammon of unrighteousness may receive you into everlasting habitation everlasting means eternal so let me take verse 9 and, and break it down in a way that you can understand it it's saying Use money, which could be unrighteous mammon, but I want you to use it to make friends that when you die will be there to enter, to welcome you in to everlasting habitation. Let me break it down even further than that. Use your money to help people go to heaven so that when you go to heaven they'll be there to greet you. Use money, which could be bad stuff, to make friends, to get them to heaven so that when you go to heaven, when you die, somebody will be there to welcome you on the other side so that unrighteous mammon can be turned around to purchase true riches in glory, which everything you can use money to buy here on the earth is going to rust or be eaten up by moths or is going to find its way to the dump. Everybody understand what I'm talking about. I don't care how nice your car is. One of these days, it's going to sit rusting in a junkyard. I don't care how awesome that suit of clothes you have are. Someday, it's going to be feed for a moth. It's going to be thrown away. You don't believe – how many of you wear clothes that your great-great-great-grandpa used to wear? And if you got his clothes, probably, well, they went out of style, yeah? They went out of style. They wore out. They're eaten They fell and falling apart. And those were, wow, look at what I purchased. How many of you driving your grandpa's car still, brother Chris? Uh, brother Chris is, but but everyone else is not. <laughs> brother Chris has a gift for wiring everything together and keeping it moving, but the rest of us we have to take it to the junkyard, and let them break it apart and crush it and recycle it. You know why? Because we're purchasing temporal things that 20 years from now. Oh, i got a new car. 20 years from now, you won't even remember it. But there are things you can use this temporal, unrighteous mammon for when it's redeemed that have eternal value. And Jesus is saying, take some of this unrighteous mammon that you waste on temporal things and use it. To share the truth with somebody. Use it to reach somebody. Use it to show the love of Jesus to somebody so that when you die, you'll have people waiting at the gate to slap you on the back and give you an eternal reward for what you have done. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord if you believe this. They take... What he wants us to do is take unrighteous mammon that's been submitted to the world and submit it to God. Lay treasure up in heaven where there's no mobs and there's no rust and where thieves don't break in and steal and the market doesn't go sour. Amen. And the real estate market doesn't eat up your equity. Right? Amen. And the stocks and bonds don't flip upside down. Put it in heaven. If you lay treasure up in heaven, it'll be there forever. How do you do it? You use unrighteous mammon to help bring people into the kingdom of God. You can take this stuff called money that can be in love of it, the root of all evil, and you can turn it around to something that has eternal value. That's what you've got to get. If you want to break the spirit of mammon, you've got to say, I'm not going to use this money all for temporal things to make me feel good and to bring me money momentary pleasure, but I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to bless it. I'm going to let God bless it and use it for an eternal purpose. Man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One day, we will meet people in heaven who were impacted by our giving. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but we do have people in this church who faithfully give to foreign nations. People who every month or every paycheck they set aside something, and say, I want this to go toward foreign missions. People in this church that give faithfully, faithfully, they would rather die than miss giving God the first fruits, the first ten percent to the kingdom of God. People that have given towards this expansion program a time to build. You know what they're doing? They're taking unrighteous mammon. And they're using it to buy spiritual friends, if you would. That when we die, they will be there to welcome us on the other side. I can't wait to get to heaven, and and when I get to heaven, be walking through the streets of gold, and have people walk up to me who I've never met before. But I sponsored a missionary. I helped the missionary get there. And I don't know how they'll divide it up, how they'll know. I don't understand these things. But I do know that if I am a giver. That there will be people waiting at the gates of heaven to welcome me into my eternal. Reward, Amen? To welcome me into my eternal reward. And the fulfillment that I have when I see Jesus face to face is only possibly going to be eclipsed by knowing that there are people who have found eternal life. Everlasting life. Do you guys believe in this stuff anymore? Do you still believe there's a place called heaven? Do you still believe there's a thing called eternal judgment? Do you still believe that the only thing that will last is what's done for God? Whatever I do on this earth will not last but only what I do for the kingdom of God will last amen in verse 11 says if therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon who will commit to your trust the true riches another place it says if you've been faithful over a little I'll make you a ruler over a lot If you've not been faithful you haven't redeemed that money then God can't trust to commit to you the true riches. You now, as a pastor and as a spiritual leader in a church, I have to make decisions about people that will take responsibilities in ministries and so forth. And unfortunately, when people are not faithful over little things, they can't be made ruler over much. You ever noticed before that some pe- sometimes people just want the limelight? They just want the recognition. They they just want what everybody's going to recognize. But nobody wants to come around and work when nobody's here. and Nobody wants to be involved in the small things. What I've found in, in observation, some of you gray-haired saints have been around for a while, you've observed the same thing. It's that those people who are faithful over little things and are responsible over little things, that God begins to give more and more and more to them. Amen? guys still here david became the king of israel because he was concerned about a few sheep on the backside of the wilderness Uh uh-huh dad said go go take some meats and cheeses to your brothers check out the battle david said who's going to take care of the sheep who's going to take care of the lambs i'm responsible over this if i can't be a shepherd over these sheep how can i ever one day shepherd people if I'm going to be responsible, I've got to be responsible over the little things. I've got to be faithful over the little things, and God will make me ruler over more. There are eternal riches that God has for me, but I've got to show faithfulness in the small ways. Hallelujah. Amen. So what should I do with money? What should I do with money? The first thing is, the main thing is to be a good steward. God is looking for people who are good stewards. Stewards are people that stand between God and need. If they're a good channel through which God can send his blessing to meet a need, then God continues to channel that way. But if a good steward is somebody that's standing between God and the need, and God sends to them resource and they divert it to their own pleasure or their own fulfillment or satisfaction, then God realizes this is not a good channel. This is not a good conduit to flow through. So the first thing I can do with money is to be a good steward, to be sensitive, to be led of the Spirit, to recognize that when God speaks to me, I need to respond, but also understand that the spirit of mammon is going to be speaking to me as well. Amen? Hallelujah. Some of you may say, well, I have... I don't have enough of this stuff called mammon to be worried about. (laughs) This message may be good for him, but I, I don't need to even be concerned about this message because I don't have much of this unrighteous mammon. But the Bible says he who is faithful in the least, he who is faithful in the least will be blessed and there will be greater that is coming. The little bit that you have is a test. God, get through to me right now and get through to all of us that the little that we have is a test. Why would God give us more if we can't be faithful with the little that we have? If we can't be good stewards with the little that we have? Because the principle I have seen in Scripture is if you're a good steward, there's more coming. There's trust that's been established, so there's more coming. If you're a good conduit, there's more coming. But if you're not a good conduit, if you're not a good steward, there's not more coming. Hallelujah. Amen. Be a good steward and learn to give generously, to break the spirit of man in your life. Why don't we stand together right now? Hallelujah. I want us to close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to pray. And then in just a moment, I'm going to. Open this altar to give you a chance to make commitments to the Lord in your own personal life. And say, as Joshua did, choose you this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we've made up our mind. We're going to serve the Lord. we want to be good stewards. Lord Jesus, I thank You for the anointing of Your Spirit, the power that breaks every yoke of the enemy. I thank You, Lord Jesus, that we don't have to be subject or submitted to the things that used to torment us in the old life. But because of the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood that You shed, all things, all things have become new. Jesus, your word talks so much about finance, so much about money and our resources, because that's the test. If we love it, it's the root of all evil. Lord Jesus, we understand that now. If we love money, it will take us and lead us away from God. But if somehow we can break the spirit of mammon that's been speaking, some of us it's had a tractor beam control over our lives. Say, I don't need more money. I need more of Jesus. I need more of you. God, that we can begin to live a blessed life. We can begin to be a conduit through which your blessings and favor can flow. I pray, Jesus, help us today to receive that word. I pray, Lord, God, the deceitfulness of our heart would not lead us astray today but that we would be submitted to the Word of the Lord, that we would receive direction thereby. In the name of Jesus, God, I want to live a blessed life. I want Your anointing and Your favor upon me. I don't want to please this world, and I don't want to please man, but I want to please you, Jesus. Let your glory and your anointing and your power be upon me, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you want to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus today again, one sign of that is to lift up your hands to Him. Why don't you lift up your hands and open up your hands to Him right now and just say, Lord Jesus, I am yours. I want to state again, Lord God, right here in the company of all these believers, Lord Jesus. That I belong to you and my life belongs to you. It's not my own. I recognize, Jesus, that I've been purchased with a price, Lord God. And that price is your precious blood. Hallelujah. I'm in covenant relationship with you, Jesus. I love you more than anything in this world, Lord God. I love you more than any of the material possessions that I have. I love you more even than my family, Jesus. You're everything to me, Jesus. I can't imagine ever walking away from you or living a day without Your presence in my life. You're real, Jesus. I love you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, and with all my strength.